Welcome to Sermon Underwear, a podcast where we explore the stories, conversations, and situations that lead up to the sermons preached here at First Lutheran Church. This is Pastor Brian. And I'm Pastor Perry. And uh, since I've got the, the sermon this week, um, I'll, I'll read the first part of this, again, rather long text from the sixth chapter of the Gospel of Mark. He, Jesus, left that place and came to his hometown, and his disciples followed him. On the Sabbath, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were astounded. They said, where did this man get all of this? What is this wisdom that has been given to him? What deeds of power are being done by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and the brother of James and Joses, and Judas and Simon, and are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Then Jesus said to them, Prophets are not without honor except among their hometown and among their own kin and in their own house. And he could do no deed of power there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and cured them. And he was amazed at their unbelief. Then he went about among the villages teaching. He called the twelve and began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over the unclean spirits. He ordered them to take nothing for their journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and not to put on two tunics. He said to them, wherever you enter a house, stay there until you leave the place. If any place will not welcome you and they refuse to hear you as you leave, shake off the dust that is on your feet as a testimony against them. So they went out and proclaimed that all should repent. They cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and cured them. King Herod heard of it, for Jesus' name had become known. And some were saying, John the baptizer has been raised from the dead, and for this reason these powers are at work in him. But others said, it is Elijah, and others said, it is a prophet like one of the prophets of old. But when Herod heard of it, he said, John, whom I beheaded, has been raised. For Herod himself had sent men who arrested John, bound him, and put him in prison on account of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, because Herod had married her. For John had been telling Herod, it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. And Herodias had a grudge against him and wanted to kill him, but she could not, for Herod feared John, knowing that he was a righteous and holy man, and he protected him. When he heard him, he was greatly perplexed, and yet he liked to listen to him. But an opportunity came when Herod, on his birthday, gave a banquet for his courtiers and officers and for the leaders of Galilee. When his daughter Herodias came in and danced, she pleased Herod and his guests, and the king said to the girl, Ask me for whatever you wish, and I will give it. He solemnly swore to her, Whatever you ask me, I will give you, even half of my kingdom. She went out and said to her mother, What should I ask for? She replied, The head of John the baptizer. Immediately she rushed back to the king and requested, I want you to give me at once the head of John the Baptist on a platter. The king was deeply grieved, yet out of regard for his oaths and for the guest, he did not want to refuse her. Immediately the king sent a soldier of the guard with orders to bring John's head. He went and beheaded him in the prison, brought his head on a platter, and gave it to the girl. 
Then the girl gave it to her mother. When the disciples heard about it, they came and took his body and laid it in a tomb. Uh, a couple of things standing out here right off the bat. I, I couldn't help but chuckle when you got to the end of the reading about, well, Jesus said to them, prophets are not without honor except in their hometown and among their kin and in their own house. And I'm thinking, I, I think you can almost say that with just about any career. I certainly get what he's saying with prophets, but it's uh, going back to your hometown, you know, immediately everyone when there's a significant accomplishment from anyone from your hometown, it's sort of like, well, that's great, but I I know them. You know, that's that's not that big. I remember him from way back when. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so something very familiar there. Um, and I'm thinking of a comment one of my colleagues always says to me about, you, as a pastor, you should never be surprised by sin. And yet I'm thinking it's kind of funny here how, Jesus is amazed at their unbelief. So <laughs> Jesus is surprised at, at the unbelief or the sin at work here in his hometown. And that, that might have been because he'd been out and about and uh, seeing many different people in different places and seeing the faith of so many people and then coming home and going, how can you not believe? You know, you know me. Um, you should know that that I'm that I'm telling you the truth that what I'm saying is right, but that that question of yeah that's the carpenter. What's up with that? Yeah, and almost as if to kind of, I can't take him and what he's saying. So if I can somehow discredit what he's saying or or just say he well, he shouldn't really be able to say that, and so. That's nice, but you're not going to pull one over on us, almost. Right. We know where you came from. We yeah. know your brothers. We know your mom. We know your sister, your sisters. We remember you from high school. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so the part that that I guess I thought was piquing my interest in, in terms of this was really the mission of the Twelve, in that Jesus had been teaching in the villages, going to all these places. Then he hits his hometown, and things uh, don't go well. And then he sends the 12 out. It's almost like he, he hit a roadblock. And it's like, oh, okay, so here we're struggling. Let's revamp our plans, and you guys are going to go out, and I'm going to show you what this is about. And Apparently, they'll have some great success, but they're also going to uh, hit some some real struggles because he says, uh, if a place does not welcome you or refuse to hear you, as you leave, shake off the dust that is on your feet as a testimony against them. So you don't even want the, their, the village dust on your feet. It's almost like it's toxic. You know, we, I'm, I'm shaking this bad thing out of, out of my life. Yeah, I like that kind of picks up where the story last week left off with the Jesus healing the demoniac and saying, and he's wanting to go with Jesus, and Jesus said, no, go back to your home, to your family, to your friends, and be with them. And I, I connected with me when you picked up about, in a sense, he hits a roadblock and says, okay, if they won't listen to me, well, I'm going to send you. And interestingly, what he sends them with, you know, he first lists off, don't take... Take nothing of the following except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money uh, in your belt, 
just wear sandals but don't take more than one set of clothing even he's saying the only thing he sends with them is his name and with that everything that comes with him so that's neat to see sort of this bestowing you know again if they won't listen to me i'm giving you what i've got I'm, I'm giving you this authority and power and i'm sending it with you another interesting bit too about the the sandals and the shaking the dust off the feet i've heard a few different uh suggestions as to what that means, one of them being that that was, in some sense, a witness to say, if you won't hear this, you're as good as dust. Mm. You're you're as good as a pile of dust apart from this, um, and sort of a frightening uh, witness as to what, what's being said there. I mean, it's maybe not the equivalent of uh, throwing the finger in this day and age, but uh, <laughs> it's still nonetheless saying you're as good as dead apart from this news. So very sharp message that comes with that. Right. You had a chance. You had a chance to hear the good news, and um, you blew it. I'll leave you with this pile of dust as a reminder of what what you've got without the good news. As I was doing some reading on this text, one of the things that, uh, that caught my eye was that apparently at the beginning part where Jesus is on the Sabbath teaching in his synagogue, that's the last time he teaches in a synagogue. Hmm. He's, he's done done with that because they wouldn't listen to him. So it's, it's a transitioning ministry into something that's different, and it begins essentially his, his journey to the cross. Um, the, the, the pressure or the rejection that he's, that he's hearing is the beginning of that that road to the cross and maybe that's in part why why mark then puts in the story of john the baptist and john's demise that here's what you get for telling the truth speaking truth into tough situations people don't like it and it's and it's hard and it's frustrating here's where i see the hinge between this first part uh, the mission well the rejection of Jesus, the mission of the Twelve, and then John the Baptist. One, we've kind of got this pattern with John of call to ministry, begins to preach, then is killed, and here we're seeing the beginning of that cycle for Jesus, goes to preach in the synagogue, um, and will. this is the beginning of what then leads to the cross for him, and then what makes the conclusion to Mark's gospel such a surprise as Christ breaks that cycle. Um, it's interesting to me, too, though, that what what stands out to me and what I'm familiar with is much, not the violence piece of the death of John the Baptist, but what's going on with Herod. So we start off in a little bit before in the mission of the Twelve. So they went out and proclaimed that all should repent. And that word repentance there, we typically think of, oh, I sh- when I repent, I should somehow do, I should bring about a change in myself and do something different and show God, pay back what he's done for me and show some change that I'm doing to show others what's going on versus looking at it as something that happens, a change that happens to you when you hear this good news of Jesus Christ. And Herod does not get to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. He's he's living out of fear. That's what comes up in this next passage here, this sense of he— you, you pick up, he liked to listen to John. He was confused about what he said, but he also liked to listen to him. It was kind of drawn into what he was saying. Then after he dies, 
and we get this at the beginning of the text, it kind of works in reverse order here, but you hear Herod say, but when Herod heard about Jesus, he thinks it's John who he beheaded having been raised from the dead. And to think of that as kind of this constant looking over your shoulder for what thing did I do in the past that is, when's it finally going to catch up with me? And that's not having heard that gospel of Jesus Christ and the repenting or the change that happens to think Christ has overcome my sin and the things that I've done wrong. And Herod has not heard that good news. And so he's going to be haunted by this and always looking over his shoulder and saying, when's that going to catch up with me? And that's something that's very familiar to our experience today. You know, hopefully you haven't got somebody that you've beheaded in your past, but (laughs) whatever the case, we've all got things that we're looking over our shoulder and thinking uh, that that's going to catch up with me someday, you know, or this is going to play out and, oh, gee, I really hope my children or grandchildren don't pick up this bad habit that I took up. It's going to catch up someday. And there's, for Herod, there's nothing to break in and say, I have promised I will take care of your past and your future. As you were talking about that, one thing that also hit me is Herod almost being a prophet, except a little bit in reverse, saying, John, whom I beheaded, has been raised. So uh, Herod, Pilate, the Romans will put Jesus to death. He does come back, you know, to life. And so he is raised. And that that idea is now out there. And maybe it's a foreshadowing of what Mark uh, is is about to tell later in the, in the story to get us ready for Christ's resurrection. Yeah, and they're, they're right there. I'm glad you picked up on that. There's another great compare and contrast between John and Jesus. In John's lifetime, Herod's been putting up with John constantly bringing the law, and that's John's job. He points out, it's not right for you to have your brother's wife. He's bringing the law to him, and Herod imagines, if this is John come back, he's coming to hunt me down yet again and point out all the things that I've done wrong, and he's, he's back again. But when Christ comes back again, and... We don't get this in Mark's gospel, but in all the other accounts of the resurrection, when Christ returns, it's not to dole out more law and wrath and here's all the things you did wrong and I'm finally going to get you. It's finally going to catch up with you. But he comes back with mercy and forgiveness. So we've really got this powerful, throughout this whole reading here, Mark 6, compare and contrast between Jesus' ministry, uh, which also includes the law, but has a heavy emphasis on mercy. This is how I'm going to deal with your wrongdoings, with your past, with the things that haunt you, with the word of mercy and grace. I think one of the things that also hits me on that mission of 12 is the fact that it's it's so much faith that the disciples have have to rely on. It's almost as Jesus is sending them out on this mission to show them what faith is all about. You're going with nothing. Clothes on your back. That's it. And you'll be okay. You're going to be okay. And I guess for me, I would look at that and go, um, okay, sure, great. This is really scary. And then to go out and live it 
and to know that in that time of testing that that you come through it and you have grown and you have now more more faith and trust in the god who you are worshiping and that faith continues to build as you see god deliver you god give you uh, what you need through the journey of life when has been a time where in a sense you were out with nothing or very little and you were able to make it through it that somebody or something or somehow God God brought you through a a time of testing a time of uh, struggle or trial another fun question to think about that first part about Jesus being rejected in his hometown too. Have you ever experienced that for yourself going back to your hometown or perhaps you're still living in it and to be met, to to have some form of success and then be met with rejection or disbelief or, or downplaying if you will, whatever it was that you had accomplished. And maybe another one that <clears throat> that you really brought up in terms of Herod is that fear. So somebody put fear into you. Maybe maybe it was through the law, but then you run into them again and you're fearful of what they might say and what they might do and then to see them show grace. Yeah, uh, instead and how how transforming that could be so often we remember what we think in terms of the past and we're like those people are going to hate me or i need to be afraid of that situation and yet um, that isn't the way that it ends up playing out or vice versa to be able to share that with somebody else i was thinking of an example of kid that i went to high school with and he was not pleasant to me or other people and we met again later in life and he came up and talked to me and I could kind of see something was going on with him but I didn't know what but he just shared with me that he felt bad about his the way that he had treated me in high school and you know I I said well thanks for saying that I said I forgive you I want you to know I haven't been carrying this around for a long time, you know, and I could see a weight lifted off of him because clearly yeah. it was something that over the course of time it was weighing on him and whether you want to call it fear or what was guilt was weighing on him about the way we had related. And when he saw me, there was this immediate, oh, you know, there's that. So perhaps to tell it from that way too, if there's yeah. been someone who you've had the joy of being able to share, I haven't. I don't want to hold on to this anymore right. either. To, to share forgiveness with, yeah. yeah, over and after a long period of time. All right, well, thanks for listening, everybody. 